Psalm 112 declares the glory and reward of righteousness. The glory and reward of righteousness. In an age when wickedness is praised and lauded and righteousness is mocked and jeered, is it worth striving to live righteously? Psalm 112 answers this question. Indeed, it is worthy to be righteous because it is the means of achieving blessing from God. This psalm is 10 verses. The first nine verses deal with the blessings of the godly, and the verse 10 deals with the bereavement of the godless. Let's begin with verses 1 through 9 and the blessing of the godly. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. It is well with the man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Notice verse 1 opens with a call to worship. Praise the Lord. This is a liturgical formula telling us what to do when we come into God's presence. Every time you and I come into God's presence, we need to come with praise. Even when we're petitioning, even when we're praying, we need to come with praise. Next, we have a foundational statement here. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Now, the word blessed here is the idea of, that, uh, to, of bestowing God's divine favor or grace. The blessed man is one who bows before the Lord, who reverences the Lord, who serves the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. The idea of delighting is hearing and heeding, obeying. So we can summarize how the blessed man lives. The blessed man lives by knowing God reverencing God, and obeying God. Like Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? Life is not going to be blessed if you're enjoying the pleasures of sin. Now, the answer to the issue of the benefits or the rewards is given in verses 2 through 9. And the righteous are described in verse 2, 3, 4, 6, and 9. These are the ones who fear God. These are the ones who delight in his commands. Now, what is it that God promises for a godly life? Well, let me lay out six benefits or six blessings. First, in verse 12, the righteous person's descendants will be mighty on earth. They'll be mighty on earth. Now, what does this mean? Well, it means that their descendants are going to overcome their enemies. You know, in Christ, our enemies have been already been defeated. We know, according to Romans 8, 37, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, the generation, the family, the descendants of the upright are going to be blessed. And so what we need to understand here in this first blessing of being righteous, the, the first uh, reward, the glory that we receive is righteous, is that it's going to affect our family. When you and I live godly or righteously, it not only benefits us, it benefits our families. So if we're blessed, they're blessed. If we receive God's grace, they receive God's grace. Second, in verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house. 
Now, God is the king, and God owns all the cattle on all the hills. There's nothing that doesn't ultimately belong to God. And God wants his people to prosper. But God blessing us doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to bless us with material wealth. Certainly, God is not going to justify our greed. But he does affirm that as the creator, that he will bless his creation, he will prosper his creation with all that they have need of. And that is what he will do with the righteous. You know, the righteous will go through trials, the righteous will go through tribulations, but... Because they're righteous, they will be blessed, and God will bring them through it. Look at Job. Now, there was not a more righteous man on all the earth than Job. And yet, God allowed Satan to take everything, including his health, from him. Yet, in all of these things, Job did not curse God. He maintained his righteousness. And, you know, we need to understand that blessing doesn't always mean that I'm going to be materially prosperous. But what it means is God is going to prosper me. He's going to bless me. He's going to give me an abundance of his grace. And that's exactly what he did for Job. He sustained Job through those difficult days. He cursed the day he died. He, he cursed the situation he was living in. But he never cursed God. He never turned his back on God. Even though his friends, they all turned around and uh, tried to give him every reason under the sun why it was of some sin he must have committed. And uh, this is why he was being cursed. Again, folks, you know, we can't assume why somebody is going through what they are. We can't just assume, oh, they must have committed some sin. Uh, that doesn't justify according to the book of Job. Job was a righteous man. But in the end, because God, uh, because Job rather did not curse God, God blessed him and he made his way prosperous. Now, yes, he did prosper him materially, but he first and foremost prospered him spiritually. And that's what we have to understand, that God is going to increase us spiritually. We're going to receive spiritual reward, not necessarily money in the bank. Third, unto the upright there arises a light in the darkness. Now, this light in the darkness is God. Isaiah 9, 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who is God's light? It is the God himself, the Messiah, which is revealed in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. First John 1, 5, John says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So the light of God comes to the upright, to the righteous. The righteous are not overcome by darkness. Uh, the second half of verse 4 applies to God. He is gracious. He is merciful or full of compassion. He is righteous. And so here, the gracious, merciful, righteous God shines upon us, shines his grace upon us, shows us compassion, reaffirms his character, and as he does that, he changes us. And he begins molding us and shaping us. He places his light within us. Jesus said be, that we're to be lights to the world. So we're to reflect God's grace, compassion, and righteousness. And as we do that, he blesses us with more light. Fourth, the righteous person reflects God's presence in everyday life. Notice he deals graciously. He lends. He guides his affairs with discretion or right judgment. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, it's not a, a life of materialism. Uh, it, it's a life of bounty from God that we need to in turn use. We need to use the resources God has given us to bless those who may be less fortunate than us. Those who may be needy, God's graciousness is reflected, in, it should be reflected in our graciousness. Luke 6.30, Jesus says, give to everyone who asks of you. 
you know, we, we have to use discretion. We have to, you know, base our giving upon God's justice. But understand, any material blessing, any blessing in your business uh, comes from God and is based on his justice. It reflects his character. And, you know, that's what we are to do with those around us. Uh, one, one author said this, we cannot pray to heaven on Sunday and live for hell the rest of the week. We have to reflect God's grace at all times and all days. And that means reflecting God's presence in our everyday life. Too often we fall into this trap of this quote-unquote secular, sacred dichotomy. You know, well, this is sacred, this is secular. Folks, the, the reality is, you know, whether it's the, in the religious realm or in the non-religious realm, whether it's in the quote-unquote sacred realm or the secular realm, the sacred should bleed into the secular, Okay. Uh, the reality is, folks, that uh, what happens in the secular world, how we act in the secular world, should be no different than how we act in the sacred. We've got to reject this false dichotomy that we somehow can keep two, keep one foot in one side and one foot in the other side. You're either all in on one side or you're all in on the other side. Fifth, the righteous man will be secure. That is, he'll never be shaken. You know, uh, God will remember him for in everlasting remembrance. You know, the reality is the idea that we will not be shaken, that's a blessing from God, means that we do not need to fear. Our, our heart is going to be steadfast. It's going to be trusting or secure in the Lord. Uh, our heart's going to be supported or resting, established. We're not going to be afraid. Uh, listen, when, when bad things come, when bad times come, you know, yes, it's concerning and it's overwhelming and all of that. But at the end of the day, God's going to bless us and say, listen, I've got it. I'm going to take care of it. And you don't need to fear. He's going to, if we let him, he'll take that fear from us. Because when your heart is with the Lord, bad news, bad people, they can't get to you. Okay? Because ultimately, God will resolve all things for his people. And then lastly, number six, the righteous person cares for the poor just as God does. You know, we're blessed as we get to care for those who are in need. We've dispersed broadly at, uh, as the idea of scattering seed. We've given to the poor. Uh, what did Paul do in Galatians 2.10? He affirmed his apostleship. Peter, James, and John told him only to remember the poor. And Paul replies, that is the very thing which I also was eager to do. And so as a result of this, the psalmist concludes, his righteousness endures forever. His horn, his strength, will be exalted or glorified. So the godly man, the godly woman who worships the Lord, who obeys his command, who lives a righteous life, is going to stand before him and be lifted up by him. He's going to be vindicated by God. Is that you? Now, verse 10, we have the bereavement of the godless. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Now, again, in the last few Psalms here, like Psalm 111, 110, Psalm 109, we've seen this idea of retribution and vindication and such that, you know, it's okay to pray in precatory prayers, but we have to, it's okay to pray for God's wrath, but we also have to pray in, in that prayer that, yes, if God chooses and decides to withhold wrath and dispense mercy, that we'll be satisfied with that. And, uh, and here's why, because at the end of the day, folks, God is going to have the final word. He is going to justify and vindicate all things. And if the wicked will not repent, then God is going to pour out his wrath. The wicked are going to see it and be vexed. They're going to gnash their teeth. They're going to melt away. 
you know, what is he saying here? Well, they're going to be grieved. Notice the gnashing of teeth. We know from the New Testament that those who are gnashing their teeth are those people in hell and later the lake of fire. They're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get their desires, and it's not what they thought they wanted. And so he promises us here, the righteous will see the desires of their enemy fulfilled. The very things that you've prayed for, the very desires, the very ones that you've said, boy, I wish God would just deal with this wicked person in my life. Guess what? He's going to. And he's going to take care of it. Uh, Whatever your desire is for your enemy, if they don't repent, let me tell you, God's going to drop the, the hammer on them. Now, the final verse also tells us uh, even though it, it focuses just on the wicked or the godless. But it shows us two things. Number one, it shows us you're either going to heaven or you're going to hell, and ultimately lake of fire. You cannot live with a foot in both worlds. You can't live for yourself and live for others. You can't live for righteousness and then live for unrighteousness. It's one or the other. You're either godly or you're wicked. Knowing that the desire of the wicked will perish, that they're going to see it, that they're going to be vexed, they're going to gnash their teeth, they're going to melt away, uh, that their desires are going to come to an end, it ought to be a clear choice. It ought to clearly, you ought to clearly at the end of this psalm say to yourself, I don't want that. And it should make you pursue a life of righteousness. But the choice is yours. Choose you this day. What are you choosing? You're choosing righteousness or you're choosing wickedness. You want to be blessed? Choose righteousness. You want to be cursed? You want to be damned? Choose wickedness. One will get you to heaven. The other will see you in hell. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just come and again give you the praise, Father. Uh, Praise for the opportunity to study your word. Praise to learn from your word, to be instructed. I praise you, Father, that uh, that age-old question, what will the righteous do? Well, Lord, the answer is here. We're going to be blessed as long as we're righteous as long as we're striving to know you and, and obey you. Uh, now, Father, that's a struggle. We, we often know you, but we don't obey you. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would forgive us when we don't have a heart desire to serve you, when we don't have a heart desire to obey what you've commanded us, when we try to uh, rationalize and excuse why we're not doing as we ought to do. So forgive us of that, Father. Lord, I also uh, pray that if there's those uh, who have listened to this psalm and uh, Father, they, uh, they, they have no desire to do what is right, that Father, you'd reveal to them that they're indeed wicked. And that Father, they're on a one-way course to the lake of fire. Damnation is on the radar for them unless they repent and believe the gospel. So I pray, Father, in going through this psalm, anyone listening who's never made that commitment, never can't come and repent of their sin to you and believe the gospel, the glorious gospel that Jesus, the Son of God, died and shed his blood, rose again the third day to, to make atonement for their sin, that, Father, today might be that day. That, Lord, you would uh, open their eyes, open their ears, soften their heart to receive the engraved word that's able to save them. Again, Father, I thank you for these blessings, six blessings you pour out upon your people when they behave righteously. And so, Father, with that in mind, let us go forth and and strive to glorify you, strive to obey you, strive to love you, so that in turn we can be blessed. And we just ask that, uh, Lord, we would glorify you, that we would continue to give thanks to you now and forever. Amen.